You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Good morning, everyone. I really enjoyed the last few weeks looking at King Jesus, focusing on King Jesus, that he's seated on the throne. We see him seated on the throne, that there's a kingdom of God because there is a king. It exists because there is a king. He's the cornerstone of all we do. And last week, we looked at who the great I am says he is, who he says he is. Uh, and today, I want to focus on the return of the king, the return of the king. He's coming on the clouds, the return of the king. I'm so excited we come together next Sunday to celebrate our king's resurrection. Uh, and today is Palm Sunday when they laid out the palms. There we go, I'm putting the Palm Sunday in. <laughs> they cried out, Hosanna, God save us. And he did. He did. They were crying out to the King of the Jews, save us. And he did. He came and saved all of us. Now he's the King of all. What amazing grace that he brings. I've been loving a song at the moment um, by Phil Wickham called His Name is Jesus. It says, it goes like this, there's never been a love so great. He died so we could live. Then he rose up from that grave. Name another king like this. Now all authority forever belongs to him. He reigns in victory. Name another king. There's never been a king like this. And this is the king. This is the king that is returning. He's coming on the clouds. We don't know when he's coming, but make no mistake, he is coming on the clouds. He's returning. The other day I was looking at the clouds, and you know some days... The, the, sun is sh- the sun rays are shining through the clouds. It just looks completely magnificent. And I thought, when he comes back, it's going to be a trillion times as magnificent as the skies that we see. We can't even put in words what it's going to look like. So, as I said, we, we don't know when he's coming, and he doesn't want us to. He said we shouldn't know. Um, but we know he will. So... We need to be living like it's tomorrow. So even if he, comes, if he doesn't come back tomorrow, if he comes back in 100 years, it doesn't matter that we've been living like it's tomorrow. But if he does come back tomorrow, then it really did matter <laughs> that we're living like it's tomorrow. Not likely to be tomorrow, though, because Matthew 24, 14 says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. So it's when all, were re- all are reached. I was surprised the other day to hear a statistic that there are over 3 billion people in over 7,000 people groups who are unreached. I found that very surprising. I thought most people groups would have been reached by now. So some of you here in this room might be called to reach some of those unreached people groups. So last week, Paul spoke about our king's decrees. We obey our king's decrees. So today, I want to have a look at what our king has decreed to us before he returns. So I'm going to look at some of the warnings he's given for the last days, and then at some of the instructions he's given for the last days. In Matthew 24 and 25 and 2 Timothy, there's several warnings about the end of the age before our king returns. I love that our king is so gracious that he's given us warnings. He's, he's said what is likely to come, 
so we can be prepared. So the first one is in Matthew 24.4. It says, And Jesus said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. And then the next verse says that many will come saying, I am the Christ. So we need to know Jesus so deeply, his words so deeply, that we will recognise if an imposter comes. <laughs> imposter saviours apparently are going to come. And we need to know Jesus that he's the only one who saves Jesus Christ our Lord. And 2 Timothy 4 also warns that in the last days, people will be deceived by hearing the word with itching ears, according to what we want to hear. So let's be careful to hear the whole truth, not just pick out our favourite verses or um, the doctrine to suit ourselves and our life. We need to have his word embedded so deeply in our belief system not just hearing it, but doing it as well. So embedded in us that we won't, will not be deceived because we've warned that could happen. And let's not be thinking, oh, that won't happen to me. It's happened to better people than you and I. People have walked away from God, sadly. So the only way to not be deceived is to know him and know his truth. And the only way to know him is to spend time with him meditating on his word, chewing it over ruminating, asking the Holy Spirit to bring revelation so that the Word of God goes into our belief system and our practice as well, applied to our everyday life. Asking Holy Spirit, convict me. Convict me as I'm reading, not just studying, but doing the Word. Because as it says in James 1, be hearers of the Word, not, not just hearers of the Word, sorry, but be doers of the Word, lest you deceive yourselves. So we can be deceived by others and we can deceive ourselves by thinking we know it but not doing the word of God. Then the next warning is in verse 5. See to it that you are not troubled by the signs. So Jesus gave a list of tribulations to come at the end and then he says, see to it that you aren't troubled when you see them. 2 Timothy also says, perilous times will come in the last days. So we're not to go into panic mode and fear when we see these things happening. If Jesus said, I am with you to the end of the age, then he is. We need to trust him. He's going to be with us. We're not to panic or go into fear or run from the difficult times. We run into him because he is with us. He is our peace. The next one is in verse 12. It says, see that your love does not grow cold. Lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. Let's not be those people whose love grows cold. That speaks to me of a kind of a whatever, whatever kind of attitude to the king. There's no fear of the king. It's like, oh, yeah, whatever, he says. Um, so often hearts don't suddenly grow cold. Like one day you're on fire for from God, the next day you're cold, unless it's a tragedy or something sometimes. But it's like a slow fade. So watching our heart so it doesn't go into a slow fade from on fire, slowly, slowly, to cold. And we don't even want to become lukewarm, do we? Because in Revelation it says that he spits us out of his mouth if we're lukewarm. I don't want to be spat out of God's mouth, do you? <laughs> 
2 Timothy 3.2 paints a little bit of a picture of how we could get there to a cold heart if we're not careful. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So that that's also talking about the end time. So these are some ways that if we're not careful, we could start heading down that track towards our heart being cold. The next warning we see is in Matthew 25, 2 to 8. And the warning is not to run out of oil. It's a parable of the virgins and their lamps. And some of them ran out of oil. They weren't ready when the king returned. So let's be careful that we've We've always got the power of the Holy Spirit, the oil of the Holy Spirit, staying yielded to the Holy Spirit and filled and anointed by his oil, not running out of oil. Second Timothy also says, having a form of godliness but denying its power. So let's not be the people that are denying the power of the Holy Spirit and running out of the oil of the Holy Spirit. And then we're warned in the parable of the talents, don't bury your talents like the one talent guy. When we were in Adelaide as, um, for, with the NCMI elders recently, Tyron, Daniel, who leads NCMI, had a word for this season. He said, this is not a season to squander the opportunities that God gives. In these last days, which a lot of people believe we're in, we may be, we may not be, a lot of people believe it, it's not a time to squander the opportunities that God puts in front of us. So not a time to bury talents and hide them away. And then it finishes with a warning in Matthew 25, 44 to 46, not to ignore those in need. It says it's like we're ignoring Jesus himself. So keep an eye on those who are in need because when we minister to those who are in need, it says that, it's like we're ministering to Jesus himself. So that's some of the warnings that he, asked, he warns us of in the last days. Now, what does he ask us to do in the last days? Uh, so we're going to turn to 1 Peter, if you've got your Bibles with you. Now, 1 Peter starts with the why. So we know that if we start with the why, it motivates us and compels us into action. So 1 Peter 1 starts with the gospel that we're going to celebrate at Easter, the good news. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to our living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hallelujah. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So this is what compels us. This is our why to heed those warnings and our why to obey our king's decrees, follow our king's decrees. And then if you turn over to 1 Peter 4, 7 to 11... There's some instructions here. It starts with the end of all things is at hand. And then it gives some instructions about what we're to do when when the time of all things is at hand. 
says, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. What a privilege, as Matt said this morning, such a privilege to serve him. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him being glo- belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So these are some of the instructions we're going to look at, what our king is asking us to do when the end of all things is at hand. In summary, I thought of, you know that movie and book, Eat, Pray, Love? This one's kind of like, pray, love, eat. (laughs) Except then it adds the gifts because it's a quest about others, not a quest about finding ourselves. (laughs) So let's have a look at pray first. It says, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Sober-minded means having presence of mind, having our wits about us, and being vigilant. The message paraphrase says, stay wide awake in prayer. So in these times, we're called to stay wide awake in prayer. And no wonder Peter said that, because remember, there was a time when he didn't stay wide awake in prayer. So that was like another end times. That was Jesus last night before he was crucified. Jesus was agonising in the garden And Peter and the disciples couldn't stay awake. Three times Jesus came to them and said, Are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So with hindsight, when Jesus died, imagine the disciples thinking, Couldn't I have just stayed awake, stayed wide awake in prayer? They must have had some regrets about that. And then Peter, of course, also then went on to deny him. Maybe he wouldn't have if he'd stayed wide awake in prayer, who knows? (laughs) But he would have had some regrets about that as well. Uh, So let's um, not be people with regrets about our prayer life. Let's stay wide awake in prayer. And then when Jesus comes in the clouds, I'm sure we'll all have some regrets, (laughs) won't we? (laughs) When we're face to face with Almighty God. But let's know that we've prayed, we've stayed wide awake and we've prayed. And then prayer, of course, means being with Jesus, having a dialogue with him. And when the disciples had been with Jesus, it says they turned the whole world upside down. Such power in prayer. Time in his presence, getting to know him so we know him and we can become like him and hear his voice. And prayer is crucial for the lost to find Jesus, for a revival, for a city, for a nation. So remember to be praying for your oikos, you, those close to you in your sphere who are far from Jesus. And then it goes on to say, above all, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Above all reminds me of the first and second command of Jesus. Love him first with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And secondly, love others as yourself. And then it says that love practically makes up for anything, covers a multitude of sins. 
Mon's, um, Yvette's testimony this morning was so good. It's a bit like this, that she, God asked her to love this lady at work, and look what it did, look what happened. 1 Corinthians says, love bears with one another, holds no records of wrongs, forgives. So he is saying this love for each other is a love that forgives, that is gracious, that doesn't hold grudges. And this, his love is redemptive. So there's people all around us who need to know the redemptive love of Jesus and then find themselves in his family here with us, knowing the redemptive love of Jesus. We're also called to eat love each other in the body with God's love and then what happens the world knows that we're his disciples and who wouldn't want to be in a community of love where every each person loves each other earnestly but when we're loving it's not with our own love because what are we giving if it's our own love it's out of being filled with his love a revelation of how much he loves us so then we're overflowing with his love. If it's our love, we'll grow weary, won't be pure, won't be his love. So just want to encourage you just to spend time with God, even this week, just say, please, can you show me a new revelation of your love, how much you love me? Fill me. It says the Holy Spirit pours his love into our hearts. Ask him to fill you with a revelation and full of his love, Full of his love, full of his love, so that it overflows out to others around us. And then the next uh, verse nine, the next thing he says is to show hospitality without grumbling. And when I read this, I was amazed that it was in here in the context of above all at the end times, because hospitality seem you know we sometimes think of it as just a nice thing that people who can bake. Do. <laughs> People who cook well, they do the hospitality, they go on the hospitality roster. <laughs> but I got to thinking, why does it say it here in end times? And I think it's, it's a posture, like it's an openness, it's a welcome in. It's an op- I've got open arms to welcome you in, open heart, open home, open family to welcome people in. Rather than a, a closing, it's like, oh, it's, no, it's about me. No, we don't want new people. It's, don't, don't want to, you know, I'm scared of people, so I'm just going to close in. It's an opening up, a welcoming. And then I had a look at the Greek word for hospitality. I loved this so much. It says, the Greek word is philozenoi. And it literally means loving strangers. Loved that. <laughs> it's from two Greek words, philos, meaning beloved, dear, friendly, and xenos, meaning a guest, a stranger, a foreigner. So it literally means loving strangers. So we've got strangers all around us, don't we? We've all got strangers in our workplace. Well, they mightn't be strangers. We might know them. <laughs> in the shopping centres, the strangers wherever we go. It's loving strangers. For some people, loving strangers comes a bit more natural, um, like for my husband. <laughs> I remember, he always talks to strangers. I remember when our boys were little, I've got permission from Joey to share this. When Joey was about three, <laughs> he, he, one day we're walking along the street and he said, 
he kept saying, what's their name? What's their name? What's their name? He thought we literally knew everyone in the whole world. <laughs> because his dad literally talked to everyone in the whole world. <laughs> Doesn't quite come as naturally to me, but it's, you can learn it. The more, the more we know God's love, the more we're filled with his love, the more the revelation is like, well, this is how much he loves each person. This is how much he loves this stranger in front of me. I, I want to be showing his love because how amazing is it, this love that he has for me. I've got a bit of a um, story. I was walking on the beach with a dog um, late last year and I was asking God, okay, can you give me an opportunity? And I walked past this lady and I felt like God highlight her but I was on the way to the bathroom and I had to go quite badly so I thought, no, I won't, I'll go to the bathroom. And then I got convicted and I said, please, can you give me a second opportunity? So then we walked back and we saw her again. So I said to her, I just feel like um, God would like me to pray for you today. And she burst into tears and said, can I have a hug? And hugged me. And we spent probably about 20 minutes. I prayed for her and she told me about some of the stuff she was going through. And we exchanged numbers. We keep missing each other. I was at the beach and we couldn't find each other. And then she had COVID. But we're going to catch up sometime, I'm sure. Uh, And even on the last text I sent to her, she said, when I got your text, it felt like a wave of love rush over me. And that's, that's not my love. That was because God had put, me on, put her on my heart in that moment to text her, and she felt his love through the waves, <laughs> the text waves. <laughs> so God gives you second chances if you miss the chance. <laughs> Just ask him. I read a study in, on SBS News that loneliness is a silent killer. One in four Australians feel lonely at least three times a week. So that will be a quarter of the people in your neighbourhood and your workplace feel lonely at least three times a week. And the psychologist said it literally is a killer because the article says that loneliness predicts depression and loneliness increases blood pressure and can cause cardio disease. So... Can I encourage you to be on the lookout? Look out for those lonely people in your workplace, in your neighbourhood. And then it says that God can set them in family. Psalm 68 says, God sets the lonely, the fatherless, the widows in family and brings those who are bound into prosperity, into flourishing. So the church should be the least lonely place on earth. So let's be that place where people can be set in. There's a a quote I found on hospitality. It says, hospitality is treating someone like they belong before they belong until they belong. So I'll read that again with this definition. So loving strangers is treating them like they belong before they belong until they belong. Love that. So then back to 1 Peter 4, the passage finishes with a decree to steward the gifts that God has given us well. 
It says, as each, that's everyone, all of us, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Let's be good stewards of what God has placed in our life. Let's be the people who God's created us to be, the people that God's created, the things, do the things that God's created us to do and steward his, um, the gifts that he's placed into our lives, that he's set into us when he created us. No more burying or hiding or shrinking back, but using those gifts that he's given because it's crucial in these end times to use each one, use a gift to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. So let's, um, let's commit to be those people who are ready for when Jesus comes on the clouds. When he comes back, we're ready. And let's be the people who commit to discipling others so they're also ready for when Jesus comes back. And readying others for his return. When he returns... I'm finishing quite early. Oh, well. (laughs) When he returns... It's going to be the most glorious day. It's going to be glorious. For all, it's going to be glorious for those whose names are written in the book of life. Not so glorious if they're not. So if you're here this morning and you don't know this Jesus, if your name's not written in the book, Lamb's book of life, let me encourage you not to leave this place today until you meet Jesus, this glorious King, King Jesus And make sure your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life and as many others you can bring along to have in the Lamb's Book of Life. So when our King returns, it will be spectacular and it will look something like this. Words can't quite describe it. In Revelation 19, it talks a little bit of what it will look like. Now I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. It's quite spectacular, isn't it? Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So our King's decrees that we've been looking at today are only possible to follow by the empowering and enabling of his Holy Spirit. Matthew 3.11 says that Jesus baptises with Holy Spirit and with fire. I've had this, these amazing times with the Lord lately, just this revelation that he has these eyes of fire. So if we're, if we're fixed our gaze on Jesus then he can baptise us with his eyes of fire. Fire symbolises purification 
a fiery zeal or enthusiasm, transformed more into his likeness, set free. So as we fix our eyes on Jesus, as we ask him to open the eyes of our heart, I encourage you to fix your eyes on these eyes that are like a flame of fire, this almighty, glorious king, and ask him to to immerse you with his Holy Spirit, to immerse you with his fire so that we are enabled and empowered to to walk in all that he's asked us to do, walk in his decrees. Empowered to keep the faith. Empowered to stay away from those warnings that we've been given. Empowered to reach the unreached with the love of Jesus until his return. So as we sing this last song, can I just encourage you to picture that coming of our King on the clouds with his eyes, flames of fire, and just let him do whatever he wants to do in your heart. Open your eyes of your heart and look into his eyes that are a flame of fire. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.